Hey, what's going on there, motivators? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast. Well, tonight, I think today is the 6th, the 6th of October, 2021. It's a Wednesday. It was a pretty good day. Full day. Did my best. Take the good with the bad, you know. Do my fucking best at all times. You know, could be worse. I could be a grown man riding a scooter with work boots and operating my cell phone simultaneously. Cutting through Lansdale here. Here. Excuse me. I went and I picked up a four pack of uh, beer at Well Crafted. It's right in Lansdale. Really beautiful place. <clears throat> I'm going to go back and just talk briefly about how impressed I am by these local breweries. Now, got to be careful. Obviously, when uh, we talk about breweries or alcohol substances, you know, a lot of people have <clears throat> some have had hard times with substances. They've abused them. I think we all abuse substances in our own way, you know. One person might eat too much. Another person takes prescription medications, pain meds. Um, another person is a compulsive gambler, another person drinks, another person smokes weed excessively, and, you know, you name it. Other person stresses, organizes, hoards. I had somebody tell me today that their mother was a hoarder. I'm talking about an older woman, probably 80s at least. Mother is a hoarder, and that uh, she goes to visit her mom as a grown woman who's uh, probably um, eligible for an AARP card herself, she goes to visit her mom. She has to stay in a hotel because last time they stayed there, they fucked with all kinds of, you know, the decor and threw things out and things that the hoarder wanted to keep. So everybody's got like a, you know, people got all kinds of hang-ups and addictions and compulsions and all that stuff. Again, the human condition is fucking... Just bizarre, bizarre. I have these things, right? I shared with you guys that I <clears throat> had a drinking problem a while ago, years and years ago, like a bad one. I would drink a shitload of um, wine, and I was just depressed. You know, I was in a bad spot, so I started treating anxiety with alcohol, and it just kind of stole my thunder for a while. So it doesn't take take much. Got to appreciate, you know, that there's a balance to everything. You might be, I'll pick up this four-pack of beer and I'll drink. I was mad at myself yesterday because I drank instead of two. I drank three. I'm like, eh, I think that's not necessary, you know. Because here I am busting my ass in the gym, working out, burning calories. And I'm wondering why my waistline isn't trimming down as quickly as I'd like. 
maybe it's because I drink three beers a night, you know, so I'm going to throttle back and just drink a couple, maybe. But the thing is, you know, not to cast a shadow over this pretty prolific industry of microbreweries. Uh, if that's your thing, if you can't drink, if you had a problem, so did everybody else. Then we grow up a little bit, we feel the consequences, and we hopefully have the ability to go on and have a beer with dinner or have a couple beers after a long day or whatever it is. I, I take it just to kick back, have a beer, have my dinner, have a beer, a couple beers, I go to bed. And on the weekends, if we would try a new spot, so this past weekend we went to uh, the Perkyoman Valley Brewery, which is down in, in Green Lane, up in Green Lane. Very nice spot. And they do all kinds of cool things for the community. I think that they have a mission that includes um, special needs people, you know, so I think they might have children who are special needs, uh, autism, spectrum disorder, something like that. So they've got a room where the kids can go and can occupy their time and, and stay focused and and they, you can actually come as a family to these places and you have a beer. Nobody's getting hammered. You know what I mean? It's not for that. So that's really not so cool anymore, getting shit housed, getting hammered and making poor decisions. So I think that these breweries really, they bring a lot of culture together. There's always food involved, some sort of comfort food. You have a couple beers, some picnic tables on a nice fall evening, go out there, or afternoon for that matter, you go out there, and I got a hot dog, I got a bratwurst, I got a hot dog for my dog, two of them, as a matter of fact, from a vendor that's, you know, is living, is parking outside of these microbreweries. You try a different beer, ooh, I like that one, hey, I'm going to go back and get that another time. You spread the word, these people make uh, a decent business out of it, They there's a lot of good, I think, that these entities are bringing into our community. They're not, you know, like a, they're, they're very unique. They're very authentic other than, you know, aside from, um, they're apart from like fast food establishments. It's not like a new Chick-fil-A is coming into your neighborhood or, ooh, there's going to be a Taco Bell going in in Harleysville. Who fucking cares? You know, these places... They, the, the food's tasty, and it's not good for you, but it's tasty, and they run a good business. They'll make a killing, but it just, you have a sense like they don't really have a soul, these places. And I, I apologize if anybody's a fan of fast food or run a fast food place. I just feel like you're missing a little bit of, of the heart and soul of, you know, the human spirit, the, the uh, small guy and gal trying to make their way, run a small business. So I get that. I feel like I really enjoy going to these uh, breweries. I love the art to it, the culinary aspect, the collaboration with other uh, businesses. They all seem to support one another. So you can go to this brewery and get... You can buy a beer from another competitor, you know? And you can... You know, they have food trucks that pull up and you can hang out there and have good conversation and have a couple beers while the kids hang out with you. And you can just display that, put on display that, look, we're having a good time, we're having a couple of beers. 
you know, we got a designated driver. Nobody's doing anything stupid. You laugh, carry on, you have some good meals, and you go home. I think this is something that's been going on in communities forever. I'm watching the show on Netflix right now called Frontier. Jason Momoa is in it, a bunch of other characters, obviously. And there's an Irish woman who runs a, um, a bar. And the bar, uh, the pub, or the, what do they call it? The alehouse. She runs an alehouse. Beautiful Irish woman with red hair. And she, it's like the eyes and ears of the community. She knows what's going on in a nearby military fort. And she kind of like shares information. She's like a spy and has influence. There's a lot of, everybody comes into her alehouse. And uh, there's some people sitting there eating their dinner as they pass through and having an ale and other people are in there hammered as shit obviously they're making poor choices but anyway just my little another commentary uh, compliment to these microbreweries which we have I don't know there are a dozen in our community at least they're great I'm thinking about maybe brewing some beer again myself with my brother-in-law I ever start acting stupid or making poor choices or, you know, um, behaving irresponsibly, punch me right in the fucking face. But I feel like I, I'm enjoying it responsibly. So there's that. Um, all right, let's shift gears a little bit here. We'll talk about imperfections. Had had a experience today, you know, I tell you all about my wood carving and stuff and, and how I love, I love to make art and something I like about the art, I like that it's made like from garbage, really. It's, it's made like if, if somebody gets a tree cut down in their yard or somebody, uh, a storm comes through and knocks down a bunch of trees and you know, they land on houses, hopefully not, or the tornado comes and tears them up, and a crew comes in, they cut up these trees, they carry them away, they do whatever. They, if it's decent, you know, quality hardwood, maybe they'll they'll sell it for firewood. Maybe they'll burn it. Maybe it'll wind up in a landfill. Whatever happens, maybe it'll sit and rot in a forest. I love that I'm carving, in carving wood, I'm taking this piece of, basically what is plant material, it's cellulose. You know, plants have a cell wall and all those many, probably, I don't know, thousands, maybe millions of cell walls in a tree. There's a sturdiness to it. Think about a blade of grass and then a, a corn stalk and then a, you know, a pine needle and, a, and then a big oak tree. This is all cellulose stuck together. It's an organism that grows and grows and grows, and those cells multiply, and they grow bigger and thicker and stronger, and they got this gigantic tree, big pine tree, let's say. It falls down, somebody, nobody's going to burn it because it's going to fuck up their flue and their chimney. Um, they're going to chip it, make it into mulch. Maybe they'll give it to me. I'll wind up with it somehow. I don't carve a shitload of wood, you know, compared to some, but I mean, I use a good a few trees a year of they're all dead so what I like about it is that this is something that has been discarded it's imperfect it lived and now it's dead and I'm taking I'm like 
exhuming it. I am bringing it back to life. Now that tree, you know, let's say I carve a bear out of a tree. That bit, that tree still has <clears throat> little checks in it, which are like cracks. And it's got some bugs living in it, no doubt. Big thing with pine trees is pine beetles. They're in there under the bark. Sometimes the wood is wet and it's rotten and it's, it's, uh, there are parts of it that are just, they're not perfect. Or I'll, there'll be a knot right in the middle of it. Sometimes I'll take that knot and I'll make it into an eye or a mouth or whatever. And that knot, where that's, that knot represents, of course, where a branch came off of that tree. And they tend to be really hard sections. You can tell when you hit it with your, whatever you're carving with, chainsaw or sander or whatever. It'll become very, very hard all of a sudden. My point is that the wood is imperfect. Nothing is perfect in this world, you know, but wood is no exception. It's this is a tree, it had branches, it had all kinds of creatures living in it and on it. Maybe it got struck by lightning. It's a a big enough, old enough tree. So I make something out of nothing. I make something out of junk that's going to be discarded, burned, whatever. I salvage it and I, I bring it back to life. And I love that. But when I make something, let's say I'm making a, a pumpkin out of a pine slice, there are sometimes these little imperfections in it. And uh, today I had somebody who I know and love who wants me to carve something, and I didn't. I don't. I, I'm very stretched for my time. is 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 very. I don't have a lot of time. I do a lot of things, and I like that. I think if I if I wasn't doing a lot of things, I would be complaining. But <clears throat> you know, I got a lot of things that occupy my attention: my family, understandably, right? Most importantly, my business. I'm a doctor of chiropractic. Got a lot of people who depend upon me to take care of them, to employ them, to whatever, motivate them. I teach two days a week. I carve wood on weekends, fucking all weekend. I go to kids' sporting events. I try to squeeze some time in to do whatever. So, yeah, I'll have a couple beers. Fuck, man, I'm busy. Tired. Deserve a little something. I'm an imperfect individual. You know, I... It's interesting. You know, we switch gears from from trees and wood carvings and if I make you a pumpkin it's got uh, my character in it you know I've made it you're buying something that's from me and it's pretty um, even though the wood might not be perfect or there might be a crack in that pinekin or maybe it's on it's not level so that it falls over when you stand it up maybe you'll have to lean it up against your porch Maybe it'll fall over in a stiff wind. Or maybe I need to bring it back and I, I level it. I got one I got to do that with. It's not standing up perfectly. So these things are imperfect. They're, they're crafted from me with a chainsaw. They're not perfect, but they're pretty damn impressive, most people feel. Enough to part with their hard-earned dollars <clears throat> in order to buy one. To display on their stoop. But art, of course, you know, as I've 
point out, it's about evoking a response from somebody. Some people are just in love with the things you do as an artist, whether it's a song or a poem or a book or <clears throat> or a wood carving. <coughs> some people love it and other people are like, eh, it's not for me. I don't really get why some people are so crazy about this song or, or those pinekins that, that, that crazy, loud neighbor of ours is carving out there with his chainsaws and his fucking chaps and his, he's out there blaring his music and carving and he's crazy that guy, his dog's an asshole too, <laughs> you know what I mean I know, I, I'm very perceptive that I know that some people probably are like ah, oh, that guy, I ain't buying any of his shit, I don't even like what he makes some are, but freaking like, I don't know, feels like three quarters of the neighborhood's got my carvings out there I'm honored to do that for them. I appreciate, too, that not everybody's... It's not going to be everybody's thing. The rustic shit that I do. People don't understand why I do the things that I do. I'm an eclectic dude. I got a bunch of different interests. I like to I like to think about things deeply. I like to discuss things. I like to laugh. I like to make people laugh. <clears throat> you know? There's a lot of things that I do that are just not in other people's taste. And that's that's what's wonderful about us, though. Uh, I think that that's wonderful. That people, different strokes are different folks, you know? Anyway, so I had this this uh, interaction today where I'm supposed to carve this. I got a person wants me to carve something. I don't have time to do it. I'm focusing on these these pumpkins that are a hot seller. And so person relented and said, okay, I'll take one of these things. So they gave me a little bit of money as a down payment for this other carving they want me to do. And I, I have probably, I don't know, half a dozen people right now who, would, who wanted me to do a job and are kind of waiting. And the best of them understand that I'm a busy man and that I'll get around to it. That I do this a couple days a week, maybe. And I'm just, and as I've said in the podcast before, this is my hobby. I will hate, if I'm on a clock, I will hate it, it'll become work, it'll become a chore, so I do it, like I do a lot of things in my life, for the passion of it, for the uniqueness of it, for the art of it, I'm very fortunate to have adopted this philosophy, adapted it to my life, like I do what I fucking want to do. You know what I mean? I've built my own reality. You know, I'm sure there's been some chance and some luck and some, you know, fortune to it. But a lot of it has been hard work and effort and creativity and just making the decision. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to spend my my time doing. You know, I'm going to be this exercise guy. You know, I'm going to run my practice, but I'm also going to run this fitness program because I think it's a bigger idea than just adjusting people all day long. I want to teach people how to live better. God, I fucking inspire. I had thousands of people, thousands of exercise hours. I sat in front of hundreds of people, thousand, fifteen hundred in a day, 
and sat on a stage and motivated people with little seated exercise programs. And I did all kinds of shit. I did so much shit I forgot about it. Between 30 and 40, I did a lot. I'm still doing a lot. Give myself a little pat on the back in that regard. So the problem problem came that this person did not, they didn't want this carving. They didn't want the pumpkin. They wanted a fucking, um, they wanted this other carving. Person disappointed when I bluntly had to tell them in a stressed out condition that, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'll maybe get this done by Christmas. I am focused on this right now. I'm doing things at my own pace. Like, you ever try to, like, because you're trying to be nice, trying to be considerate, you ever um, regret that? It's a bit dishonest sometimes. I feel like I've been dishonest because the same person um, is also an artist and has said, has, you know, asked for my opinion and kind of like, kind of pushed their art on me and I've given my time to encouraging and you know, just and my attention to, to encouraging and just, and just turning my attention to somebody else's art and supporting them when really I didn't like their art it's not my thing but I still understood that it's important for me to encourage people because this is this is allows people to express themselves god art is the greatest fucking thing ever man it really is you know you see all these portrayals of artists and stuff eccentric and they do crazy things and they make stuff that nobody really likes but yet it some some in some rare circumstances it it fetches a pretty penny you know i'm fortunate to be able to make a fucking pumpkin out of wood and sell it for 20 30 50 dollars depending upon the size or a bear bear i'm gonna carve is gonna be like a couple thousand dollars it's a gigantic fucking bear I'm glad that I can get some sort of side hustle going and make something beautiful that somebody else would appreciate. It's all about people appreciating appreciating it. Anyway, so I get a bunch of grief this morning because the pumpkin that I was going to give this person had a piece of rot in the little off center. Like, there was some rot happening there and the wood was a little pithy and there was a whole, maybe about a quarter size. And I painted over and around it. I spray painted it orange and I thought it looked really cool, unique, spooky. And this person kind of turned their nose up at it. And I appreciate an honest opinion if you think it wasn't whatever, but I mean, I just, I was trying to basically make a um, atone for my inability to carve what 
person wanted me to carve at this particular time and give them something. And, you know, the value on it was $50. And it was kind of like, turned their nose up at it and, and told me, basically, that, like, I can't bring that home. Uh, you know, I'll be judged for having spent money on it. And it's not what I think. And I, it basically, person said they didn't like it. And I'm cool with that. It's just that I'm a fucking pushover because for a very long time... I've been, uh, been kind of, this person's art has been thrust upon me, and I don't want to have fucking anything to do with it, because of Mr. Nice Guy, trying to save people's feelings, and sometimes people's feelings don't need to be saved, sometimes they're not, they're not worth your time, it's the reality, it's fucking the reality, my friend. Ultimately, my point, my my feelings aren't hurt. The only reason why my feelings are hurt is because I, as I've stated, I have gone to great lengths to be a friend to this person and to encourage and really encourage and just and just just give my time and attention to something that I did not want to. But I want to, I never would discourage somebody who's trying. You know what I mean? And now I feel like a dope because while I did that, this person is not sparing my feelings. <clears throat> it's just ironic, man. It's ironic. Um, that was, I mean, it's not a big deal. I'm twisting this reality into, you know, the story, which is this. We're all, excuse me, we're all fucked up. We are all broken toys. Right? Literally and, and, and figuratively, we're broken toys. You know, we've all got little chinks in our armor. We're all like that pinekin with a little bit of rot in the center because we have, you know, physical or mental impairments, all of us. Right? It's just a matter of degree. We all have little chinks in our armor. We all have little, uh, little blemishes that we try to conceal sometimes, or maybe they're, sometimes they're too big to conceal. So they just are what they are, and we make do, and we hope people will understand and will not judge us. And I just think that that is interesting, that, you know, most of us are unhappy with some aspect of our, of our being, right? Maybe you're going bald, maybe you're overweight. Maybe you have um, fucked up teeth, a little dick, 
you know, big fat ass. <clears throat> Maybe there's something about you where you can't, um, you're shy. Maybe you can't speak in public very well. Um, maybe you got terrible fucking dragon breath. Maybe you got the lazy eye. Yeah, I got a friend that blew three fingers off in a pipe bomb. I got one friend who died because he drank himself to death. Told that story a while back for quite a few podcast episodes. And, um, so whatever, it's just a matter of degrees. You look at people, you might say, oh, she is gorgeous. Look at this one. She look, look how nice her complexion is. Look how fit she is. Look how, um, handsome that guy is. Wow. Look at that car he just pulled up in. Everybody is fucked up in some way. You just got to look a little bit more closely if you really care to do that. See, I enjoy different people. I honestly do. I love, I think it'd be boring as hell if we were all the same and if we were all perfect. Now, sometimes when somebody looks like, you know, like really like, wow, that, that guy is, he's in really good shape. Or he's a real handsome guy, good-looking guy. You know, don't you look a little bit more closely and there's a little bit more scrutiny that just naturally occurs, right? And that person, like, says something like, um, it doesn't speak well, or they stutter, or something. I'm not just giving, just giving examples. You know, I don't like when I talk, sometimes I get, like, when I listen to myself... I, I, there's a little bit of a whistle, a little bit of a whistle, not a lisp, but like a little bit of a whistle to my, to my uh, voice when I talk. And I wonder what's up with my phonation. Is it the, I'm not self-conscious about it, but I'm aware of it. I'm aware that, um, I'm a little bit, I'm not at my ideal weight. Like I need to to drop like 20 pounds. You know, I could be a big hulking guy and big meathead and all that stuff, but I don't want to be that big. I want to be leaner, less pressure on my, my body in every way, um, clothes fitting nicer, presenting a little bit better, you know, and I'm working out to that effect. Um, I'm aware that my hair is gone salt and pepper and almost completely gray. I'm aware that sometimes I can be short, you know, I, I can lose, my my cup will run over, and I'm a little bit too giving. It sounds like a, you know, like a, trying to make something up. That's, that's a negative. But <laughs> I am, like, I'm fucking way too nice, you know what I mean? I know that about myself. I've been told about it. Um, I wouldn't change it, though. Like, you, you have to be comfortable. Like, hopefully, all of us, whatever our physical, mental impairments are, 
we are at peace with them, or we try to we compensate in some way. We all have to have to do that. We all have to make do in this world, and we can. But uh, my analogy is that you know this is we are that pumpkin. We all have something that you know, some flaw, flaws, and. We just hope that people will accept us. And they should. Acknowledging that they too have flaws. That they they don't have it all tied up. You know? And I think that the people who are always being told, Wow, you're really smart. You're really handsome. You're really beautiful. Um, wow, you look like you really have a good life. I feel like those people are probably they're um, they're probably very hard on themselves because they know that wow it's that's not you know, I know that people look at that they, they you know they they assume but yeah their perception is not altogether accurate right we're, we're all our own worst critic and so go back to that, you know, to to the art, you know, discussed about how uh, expert uh, quilt makers or uh, potters or whoever, you know, artists, writers, they'll, they'll leave a little bit of a chink in their armor. They'll leave a little bit of an imperfection, something like intentional, like, wow, this is like, this is really good. Is a really good carving. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that. I would normally sand that imperfection off, but I'm so happy with this. I'm just gonna leave that because it's it's never gonna be perfect. I'm never gonna be completely happy with it. That's what being an artist is is like, and so that's why it is like a training ground when you do art. People always say, "Oh, how do you how do you do that? Like, what are you taking wood off, or what if you take too much off?" Well, that's a chance I'm willing to take. You know? I'm willing to stand in, uh, in the middle of a group of people and say, hey, follow me. This is what we're going to do. And risk that you know some of them might not be on board. But if you believe in yourself and you put, you back, you back your beliefs up with some sort of substance, like some ingenuity, some hard work, people will follow you. And people will will look at your art and see that you're putting your entire being into it. I mean, again, art is evoking a response from people. People look at that and they say, wow, that is unique. That is something that, that I've never seen before. Um, I don't even like art, but I will give me one of those pumpkins. Or carve me a bear out of this gigantic stump. Or work my body, you know, like I was, I was, um, adjusting some people today. And when I'm working, I'm aware of my focus. I'm aware of my efforts. I'm aware of the little things that I'm doing in manipulating that person's 
body, their joints, their tissues, their skin, the whole deal. One of the things that I'll do sometimes is I'll, I'll zone out and I will find myself in a little bit of a trance and I'm just working and I, I'm spending time with that person and maybe we're having a good conversation, but sometimes there's no conversation and I will just manipulate. Maybe I'm, they're face down and I'm working on their wrist and their hand and their elbow and when I manipulate the joints of their fingers, I know that it that the attention I'm providing and the manip and the physical physicality of my manipulating their digits, their joints, the fine smallest joints in their body, and the the sensitivity of the hand, their sense of touch, and how personal somebody's hands are. You know, somebody gives you their hand. You know, it's there all of your sensory receptors, the majority of your sensory receptors are on your hands and your feet and your face. They're all over your body, but there's large concentrations there. So I'm working on somebody's hands or their feet, or maybe I'm pressing uh, into the their temporalis muscle on their face, and I'm just gently applying some pressure to their sinuses. I guess I'm just saying I'm aware. Uh, it's like a some sort of singularity or something. Only that's not even the fucking right term, but there is a connection there. There is a care. There is a love. There is an intention, and it's a very special thing. It's art, right? So I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my adjustments. And I can feel that the patient, there's a connection. The patient knows that I, that, that I mean well and that I'm working to serve them and to help them and provide a great experience. And I found myself doing that, you know, with every patient today to the degree that, that they would let me. You know what I mean? Some people are more given to this than others and more able to relax but I do my best for everybody. So talking about different types of art and the, and the reality that sometimes some people, they're just not going to get it. They're not going to get it. And it's, it's during those times that I find it's rarely, it's rarely you. It's rarely your painting or your wood carving or your book, you know, or your adjustment. This is not it's not about you. It's never 100% about you or your work. It's what your work makes people. It's how it makes people feel. And some people, they just might not be ready to feel it or experience it or they might not have had that, you know, the makings of, of somebody. They don't, might not appreciate rustic things or maybe they don't like to be touched or maybe they're not very visual and they don't get your um, 
you know, how your work affects other people. They're, they're not going to get that. They're not ready for it. They don't like science fiction, so they're not going to read your book. You know what I mean? They don't like the way you communicate. They're not, they don't respond to that sort of thing. You know, sometimes, uh, I'll give another little analogy, like when I teach, I have a way, you know, it's, it's like Dr. Rose style. Everything I do is like, is me. And now I guess maybe that's why I love what I do so much is that I'm putting my whole being into it. Like I'm, I'm, I don't know, maybe there would be a profession where I wouldn't be able to express myself. But I feel like, you know, going back to that, the reality with, um, making pot, making, uh, why was grandma's apple pie so good? Or why was mom's sauce so good? Love was a secret ingredient. I feel like whether you're, you could be freaking. A plumber, a cop, a barber, a teacher, and you can still get your flair, your perspective, your meth- method. You can employ it. Right? You can employ your method to reach people in a particular way. And so when I teach, I mean, I'm mildly profane, I'm telling stories, I'm going off on tangents, some are saying I talk too much, or the words, or they're just, you know, whatever it is, you're, you're trying to make people, when you teach, you're trying to make people understand like you understand, and many people will respond to your teachings, but some, it's not the way that they learn, it's not the way that they would prefer to take in information, because we're all we all have similarities, but we all have differences as well. So sometimes I, you know, like right now I'm teaching a doctorate level course. And uh, sometimes, like I wrote these sample test questions that are part of a quiz every week. And, you know, I sometimes I'll put a little bit of a joke in there. And I can tell that some people are just like, they don't get it. Or maybe in their opinion it's unprofessional. Or... You know, I don't know. My mind runs wild sometimes about how other people feel. And I find, like, just like this pumpkin, and just like the adjustment, and just like the fucking widgets you make, or the way you teach, or whatever the fuck you do in life, you should always be cognizant of how other people perceive it. Like, you have to be conscious of that. But you also have to do what you want to do as well. Like you have to live your best life, right? Not worrying, not being more concerned with how other people feel and are going to respond. You know, like you have to be civil, you have to be professional, but um, geez, it would be pretty fucking miserable if you couldn't put your slant on things. You know, if I was a salesperson which we all are to a degree, you're basically selling yourself, right? If people buy my, my wood carvings, you think they're buying it because it's like fucking, I don't know, some fucking Michelangelo shit. They're buying me. You know? 
We buy each other. We don't buy products, we buy people, right? So that's a real thing. All right, I gotta go eat dinner. Love and respect, motivators. Huh!